0: the best worst and most unexpected books
1: we've read this year i'm maggie Zhao, and i'm jasmine wallace and you're listening to culture club where we chat about pop culture current affairs the internet and our lives
0: We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people and the Turrbal people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past
1: and present. We'd also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we're continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land.
0: We finally made it. It's the end of the year. Um, this is actually our final Culture Club
1: episode for 2023. Crazy. I just realized that with this being our last like episode for the year, we've been doing this for three and a half years. Oh, my goodness. That is That's so right, long. That's right, isn't it? 2020. Yeah, we have a little It toddler. was mid-2020. Yes. Yeah, three and a half years. Crazy. That's gone so fast.
0: So wild. Our child was in kindergarten. (laughs) You know, they would be like munching on Play-Doh or something if this podcast was a human.
1: But rather than doing our usual end of year episode, which is like the top pop culture moments of 2023, we thought we'd mix it up because I think it's my opinion that we've been talking about books a little bit more this year. We did have a recent combo be – you know, talked about a lot online, which was the fast fashionization of books and book talk. Um, and so I think they're topics that our audience likes. So we thought that we would share our best, worst and most unexpected books of the year.
0: The other thing is, um, you may or may not know, but Jazz and I are in a in real life book club together, like a physical book club um, with some other friends of ours but a few listeners think it's like a culture club book club sometimes they're like wait what do you mean do you have a book club
1: together like for the podcast oh kind of like shameless book club but
0: yes 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 Uh. um so in so in lieu of that we do not have a podcast book club as of the moment, we thought we'd just have a whole episode dedicated to books because you're right. We have spoken a lot more about books um, this year. And I want to ask you, Jazz, what has your relationship been like with books in 2023?
1: I definitely haven't read as much as I would have liked to. Isn't that always the case? Mm. I did feel a lot of pressure this year from like the book community in general because I guess we have the book club which has been around for like a year but being a part of that book club and then like seeing the shameless book club and things like that it did feel like there was always like I was always behind we did speak about this actually in that fast 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 fashionization of book talk episode feeling that pressure of like FOMO for books Mm. so I would say that my relationship with reading has been a little bit like FOMO-y feeling like I'm not doing enough that I'm not reading All the best books and whatever, but I did buy myself like an e-reader. Yeah, this month because I'm going away, so I'm gonna give that a shot and see if it helps me get through books quicker. Because as you'll hear, I have strong opinions on audiobooks, and like I just don't have the time and the space now. Like my apartment is filling with books which is so beautiful and such a privilege but like yeah there's only so many you can have in a studio apartment so I think the e-reader will I'm interested to see if that will change my relationship with reading. Adore
0: that I also kind of feel the same um In terms of like, okay, space-wise or like money-wise, like where are we putting our money with books? So I think next year I really want to get back into libraries and Mm. make the most of that as well. Yeah, it's amazing when you
1: remember that libraries exist. I know, right? (laughs) I did that recently for uh, our last book club read and I just borrowed it for a couple of days and I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot that you can just borrow books from the library and it's free and it's like this amazing like council operation. So good. What about you though? Like what do you think – your relationship with reading has been like? You're lying through the books, Mr. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been my best year yet with books. I <laughs> feel like we're talking about a relationship. I mean, we kind of are. um This is the first year that I have tracked what books I read. So I downloaded Storygraph um, in January and decided to keep track of the number of books I've read and everything. Um, so currently I finished 36, but I'll I'm wow. in the middle of two books at the moment, so that'll be like 38. And it definitely, I think, like at the start of the year, it might have even been one of my New Year's resolutions, at least a loose one, to like read more. Um, mm. And I definitely have you. You mentioned before, uh, Miss Commuter. It's because I'm on public transport for so many hours, so many hours a week. So that's when I mainly read. Um, well, and i have not really- so much anymore well not so much anymore oh the
1: podcast yeah (laughs) what is your big news to end 2023
0: oh yeah i'm now freelance so i'm full-time self-employed which means yes sadly i have left fashion journal i've had an incredible year then i've loved every minute but i've decided to um spread my own little wings um to be honest, I'm still going to be taking the train everywhere, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I will be I will be um, clocking up the hours that way. Um, but yeah, it's been a really like really nice year of reading. I'm really happy I got back into this hobby because I actually like at the side of the year I would say like I had like zero hobbies. <laughs> I mean like okay, oh really? does watching movies count? Does catching up with friends count? Like that's not really hobbies. I would say reading has been a big hobby for me. But yeah, I don't have that many. I would definitely call watching movie a hobby.
1: Okay. But I but know like- what you're saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just like thinking about that whole – I guess it's on topic of like the whole thing of like that can happen in the book community of like the superiority complex of book mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So You know, true. you're still reading a story and then movies just watching a story, you know.
0: Yeah. Shameless. I feel like when I think of my hobbies, like hobbies in – quotation marks yeah like I mentioned literally like seeing friends I guess like cooking counts and let's say yes we're going to include reading books and watching movies and stuff I also don't like to um elevate like basic human necessities as hobbies as well because like, Mm. like I mean yes like what a privilege that I can do this but I just like hope that most people would be able to like have time to spend doing that so i want to do more hobbies that are like just for fun like scrapbooking or like knitting you know but i I do agree that they are still hobbies yeah
1: (laughs) so before we get into like our top and bottom books of the year (laughs) we wanted to just put a little disclaimer here that these are all our own opinions obviously we have genre preferences and we totally understand how much work goes into mm-hmm. writing a book getting it published going through the process of editing it marketing it so we would never want to like make anyone feel bad or any make it on feel bad if they're like oh I actually really enjoyed that <laughs> just want so to put that true. there because we as writers know the feeling of people like dissecting your work I guess
0: Mm, so true we are gonna start off i think we should start off negative and then work our way to like finish on a high note how does that true. sound okay. um we also <laughs> don't know each other's picks, so no. i'm nervous we'll go through okay so we've picked two books each for each category so a refresher the worst books the most unexpected and our favorite books um and yeah we have two each from the categories so why am i nervous i'm getting sweaty <laughs>
1: okay max yeah you go first what was your one of your worst reads of this year
0: before I begin another <laughs> disclaimer, I would like to say that because it's really nice I give a star rating to all the books I've read and like literally these two are my lowest and it's still 2.5 out of um five which You're is a like, generous star I'm it, so generous like <laughs> the average book rating is like 3.9 <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so take like, do with that information what you will. The book I want to put forth, Jazz has read it. It is Finnegan of the Rock, and it is by Melina Marchetta. This was a book club pick for this year. And if you are not familiar with uh, this book, it is a fantasy, like, YA novel. In, like, incredible news, the author is the author of Looking for Alabrandi, so, like, an Australian icon. So I hope this doesn't get back to her.
1: I think I was actually away for that book club pick because <gasps> I remember it. I remember everyone talking about it, but I didn't read it. I think I was actually oh. not there. And then I didn't bother because fantasy is something that I struggle with. So this is the thing because I am a fan of fantasy or like light fantasy.
0: But this one was just, I'm just going to read you the synopsis that I pulled off the web because this is how the book reads. Like this, I mean, if you like this plot, maybe you'll like the book, but I'm just going to read it and apologies for my mispronunciations that are bound to happen. Finnegan of the Rock and his guardian, Sir Tofa, have not been home to their beloved Lumineer for 10 years and since the dark days when the royal family was murdered and the kingdom put under a terrible curse. But then... Linnikin is summoned to meet Evangeline, a young woman with an incredible claim. Their heir to their throne of Lumineer, Prince Balthazar, is alive. Like, it's a lot of big names and, like, topographic details. Right. What is
1: the age demo for this?
0: So this is a, like, YA novel, so somewhere between, like, 14 to, like, I don't know, 20 or something. I just found it, like, really dense, but also, like, the narrative was really, like, predictable. You know, it's like a quest, like a hero's quest story, Mm -hmm. but it was just bogged down for me by, like, so many characters and so many different places and details where I didn't think there needed to be details. Yeah. Did it put you off fantasy for a little while? A little bit, because I think I read this earlier in the year. Um, No spoilers, but there is another fantasy in my list later on, which was positive.
1: Okay. And then what year is this from? Yeah, so this was
0: published in 2009. So 24 years old or something.
1: No? 24? (laughs) That's my age.
0: That's my age. 14 years. 14 years? 14 years. Oh oopsies um so yeah but again uh you know this is such a celebrated author we know people who really like this book that was just my opinion you come to the table jazz I feel like I'm a hater I need you to weigh in on and bring us a
1: title for the table okay my pick for one of the worst books I read personally is also a book club pick which I think is a good like I really enjoy book club for Mm like everyone's really different. We're not all like media girlies, like all love the same things. Yeah. Everyone is very different from different careers and stuff. So it's been nice to like expand genres. But um this one I thought I would like and I really didn't. It's Lenny Mark gets away with murder by oh, yeah. Karen uh-huh. Main. Also an Australian author, um actually from Melbourne I think. I'll read the blurb for people who have not heard of it. Lenny Marx is good at not remembering. She has spent the last 20 years not thinking about the day her mother left her when she was still a child. Her stepfather's parting words, however, remain annoyingly unforgettable. You did this. Now 37, Lenny prefers contentment and order over the unreliability of happiness and the messiness of relationships. She fills her days teaching at the local primary school and her nights playing Scrabble with her pretend housemate, watching reruns of Friends and rearranging her 36 copies of The Hobbit. Recently, though, if only to appease her beloved foster mum, Lenny has set herself the goal of getting a life. Then, out of the blue, a letter arrives from the adult parole board and when her desperate attempts to ignore it fail, Lenny starts to unravel. Worse, she starts to remember.
0: That's a good synopsis,
1: right? Like, yeah. It, like- it grabs you, the suspense. I was like, ooh, this sounds so interesting. And I went into it thinking it would be kind of similar to Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which I actually enjoyed when I read it probably like 10 years ago, which is crazy. Um, The reason it was one of my worst reads. Also, like, we love supporting Australian authors and, like, it's set out in the, um, like, Dandenong Ranges. So I was like, oh, local area. But, yeah, it was, like, quite a slow start. I found the characters to be quite two-dimensional and the biggest reason I didn't like it is, in my opinion, I think it had very stereotypical depictions of a person with autism and it kind of got bogged down in showing... Mm. or telling, sorry, rather than showing that the main character is autistic. And it's so important, I think, to have books with neurodiverse characters and like that really helps to normalize like neurodivergent people in society. But I found that I was like, we get it. We get that she's autistic because you have told us five times and we're like a quarter of the way through and like the story is not moving. I know that a lot of people in our book club also agreed with that and i was surprised because the reviews were really really positive like a stunning debut and all this and yeah i don't know i just personally wasn't enthralled
0: yeah i had similar thoughts with that one as well uh it just kind of felt flat like it wasn't it wasn't i didn't i think i liked it a little bit more than um, most people when we had read it cuz I, I think i remember the ending like nicely tying together mm. everything uh but it just wasn't like overly memorable as well it was just like oh yeah like that's okay (laughs) (laughs) oh I feel so icky I feel like we need I mean we will be giving compliments later on so um shall we continue with our last oh yeah worst books oh yeah we've only done one each okay what's your last worst pick See, I feel really bad about saying this one. (laughs) It is Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. Um, Have you heard of this one?
1: No, not a book club pick.
0: (laughs) I haven't heard of it. That is correct. Well, this is a contemporary romance and like drama read. It was published on the 1st of June in 2021. I remember this coming out because it received a lot of Buzz. It was part of Reese like Witherspoons book club and there's a lot of hype around it, right? And it's been on my shelf for ages. And I was like, look, I'm ready to read it. <laughs> um here's a synopsis, by the way. Ava Mercy is a single mother and best-setting erotica writer who is feeling pressed from all sides. Shane Hall is a reclusive, enigmatic, award-winning novelist who, to everyone's surprise, shows up unexpectedly in New York. Ava and Shane originally meet at a young age and connect for a week. After a tragic accident, the two characters never see each other again until 15 years later, where they both end up attending a literature event. So, you know, saucy, we've got themes of like literature, like author community um, and romance. I was quite intrigued from the beginning. Um, Tia Williams is also a black woman and all her characters, like the main characters in this are black. Um, I've actually read another one of her books before, The Perfect match or the perfect find it's called and to be honest my critiques were quite similar in a sense of like a lot of the writing just didn't hit for me like it was bordering on a bit like cringy like when there's so much like internet lingo or like tech speak um Hmm. like it felt a bit forced interesting from my opinion but the Biggest thing that I just personally couldn't get on board with is, like, there are a lot of content warnings needed for this book. So um, specifically, I would say, like, self-harm, alcoholism, drug use, like, sexual abuse, um, and more. But I just think some of those themes almost felt put there to be, like, romanticized in a way. Ooh. I don't, I, And that's just my reading on it. But I felt really uncomfortable with some of the themes and how they were portrayed in, like, through a romantic lens almost is the way I interpret Mm. it so I did struggle with this book but I did um finish it and there were parts I really did enjoy um like with the with the story but other like the big themes I just it was a struggle it was tough to tough to read Mm, the cover is beautiful i know right it's it's a gorgeous pick and again it's like one part a lot of awards and a lot of people do like this book so um don't let this deter you but i think it's good to know like about the potential trigger warnings that like are needed before you dive in now it's time for your like other worst
1: book that you've read this year jazz my Second one is also a book love (laughs) read that I was really looking forward to because I have always written off this genre of book. Mm. I can't tell if it's internalized misogyny or. Oh, my God. Yeah, like being told like this type of literature isn't legit or whatever. So I've really been trying to challenge it this year because I know so many people who really enjoy it. And it's like that kind of book talk, I guess, YA, a usually um, queer romance novels. So the book is Kiss Her Once For Me by I Alison I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> oh, that's rough. That is rough. <laughs> oh. I did say this in book club, but I do wonder if my review or my opinion was swayed by the fact that I listened to it on audiobook. Mm. And maybe I didn't like the way that the usually American author speaks and just, like, reads out the content. But synopsis. One year ago, recent Portland transplant Ellie Oliver had her dream job in animation and a Christmas Eve meet-cute with a woman at a bookstore that led her to fall in love over the course of a single night. But after a betrayal the next morning and the loss of her job soon after, she finds herself adrift, alone, and desperate for money. Finding work at a local coffee shop, she is just getting through the days until Andrew, the shop's landlord, proposes a shocking drunken plan, a marriage of convenience that will give him his recent inheritance and alleviate Ellie's financial woes and isolation. They make up a plan to spend the holidays together at his family cabin to keep up the But When Andrew introduces his new fiancé to his sister, Ellie is shocked to discover it's Jack, the mysterious woman she fell for over the course of one magical Christmas Eve the year four. Now Ellie must choose between the safety of a fake relationship and the risk of something real. Um, it's described as like the queer holiday rom-com you'll want to cozy up with next to the fire. I also wonder if I should have read this at Christmas time. Mm. Maybe I should have saved it for like, not that I could have been in Book Club, but like <laughs> for when I'm away in Scotland on the sofa. But I don't know. I just, I sometimes wonder if like those American love stories are too like, too hallmarky for me. And I'm just like, this is not, reality and like it's so predictable um I think I call the plot twist in book club being like yeah saw that coming and just I loved like the queer romance theme of it I think it's really interesting and I do want to read more queer romance in general but I don't know I found the character I didn't connect with the character of Ellie as well which I think if you're not rooting for the main character like you don't have the drive to like find out any of the story I'm just like I don't Mm. care I don't know but you you liked this book didn't you I
0: did. I did. I do enjoy romance, like YA romance like this. Um, So I did enjoy it. I enjoy the writing. Again, I agree I didn't like the main character, Ellie. Um, but I don't know. When you were reading out the synopsis, it reminded me of another book I've read this year, which I really didn't like. And you would, I think, then like rip it to <laughs> shreds. Um, it's The Wake Up Call by Beth O'Leary. Um, and again, oh, yeah. it's like that holiday romance vibe, but just like. On steroids, Hallmarky, like so much so, like an enemies to lovers. They work at a hotel together, like blah blah blah. blah. Um, that kind of that book annoyed me. And I can kind of I know what you mean when that like, yeah romance book doesn't hit for you because it's like
1: a slog to get through. Yeah, but, yeah. And a difference I think between like a slow burn and then like mm. I'm just bored, you know. But one one like book and story that I do really love from that genre is Red, White, and Royal Blue. So. I'm still willing to give that genre a chance. I heard, like, Ice is icebreakers or something is meant to be really good. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I'm I'm not sworn off it, but I was like, this is not a great impression. <laughs> okay. Do you want to go to Curveball now? Yeah, let's do Curveball. Ooh. And so what's, like, the cri- – like, Curveball for me was, like – I didn't think I'd like it and then I liked it. What's your criteria?
0: Yeah, kind of that or like a very unexpected fave or something that like took me by surprise. In like, I like how it's open, you know? Yeah, Open to interpretation. interpretation.
1: Yeah, cool. Okay, so what was your first curveball novel?
0: Okay, my first curveball novel is Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by by Heather Fawcett. Um, I wanted to bring this up quite quickly because I did like you know rag on a fantasy novel as one Mm. of my worst picks and this book I really enjoyed it would have been in like my top six or seven books of the year okay and I read this earlier on and this is indeed if you could not tell from the name very much like a fantasy cozy novel um so this book came out, out at the start of this year And it is the first of, like, a new series that's coming out. Uh, I would say it's kind of YA, but also, yeah, it's, like, YA leaning towards a little bit of – adult i guess um but yeah it is a fantasy fantasy novel so essentially it follows this cambridge professor emily Wilde. um and again this is like not based in reality so she studies fairies uh she's like a scholar she's really smart she's like kind of awkward socially awkward doesn't have many friends at all and she's currently working on the world's first encyclopedia of fairy law um so what she does she goes through this like place like this town (laughs) and she goes to live there for you know like a year or something to learn more about the fairies specifically in capital letters like the hidden ones um with like title case so there's they are the most elusive of all the fairies and they live in like the shadowy forest outside of town um so she like that's really interesting one thing just to pause there in the plot i love the world building of this this is what really got me in it's kind of harry potter-esque and i was just like so drawn to this magical and mythical world the other thing is there's like a love interest story it's like her fellow professor co-worker guy his name is wendell bamblebee um and yeah there's kind of a another plot line around there i don't want to say anything to spoil it so i thought before i read this i would either love or hate it and i really wasn't sure and then i ended up really loving it i just there was something about yeah the whole world of it was just so like compelling and i'm so excited for the second book to come out and it's coming out in january
1: cool this sounds really fun i was definitely a fairy girl when i was little Ooh. obsessed so this sounds like a really nice read. Oh my god, you can yeah. borrow
0: it, but I don't think you'll like it, to be honest. Oh really?
1: Yeah, I don't you know like it.
0: Well, it is that fantasy, like YA. It's got a, it's got the elements of the writing that you're not as fond yeah. of. It's like it's not. It, there's not that much romance in this, to be honest. But I'm not. I can't tell if you'll like it or not. But you can borrow it. I've got a, it. Might be a curveball.
1: Yeah. Uh, how about you? Tell us about your first curveball. My first curveball is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Graham. Mm. I, for some reason, did I, it's not something I would have picked up if it wasn't for Book Club, I think. Maybe now, mm. now that it's so popular, I might. But, like, when it when we read it, I don't know if I would have picked it up. I wasn't that enthralled at the very start. It felt sometimes very, like, 2010s feminism vibes, and I was just, like, a bit too much um, telling Versus showing. So the plot is that the, it's set in the 1960s or the 1950s, 1960s. Um, this woman, Elizabeth Zott, is a chemist and she meets um, her future husband, Calvin Evans. And then a few years later, she's a single mother and is also a star of a cooking show named Supper at Six. And she kind of creates this like hybrid scientific like cooking show that's really popular but throughout she's like dealing with like the gender bias of the 1950s and 1960s in America and then by the end I was like I think I was crying I was like mm. love this so much it was I felt like the characters were really strong I could see it in my head even before it was like the Apple TV show I could see it like really clearly which to me is a sign of a really good book when you feel like you were there Mm. Um, so I'd say it's a curveball because I wasn't expecting to like I was like oh like this will be okay whatever and then it, yeah it was one of my faves so this also got glowing reviews in our book club yeah god it's so good um my little sister Katie also just
0: read it um because I was like you need to read this like she was looking for a book and it was same as with you like it was slow going at the start for her but I was mm. like no keep pushing on and she loved it so <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, it's a, it's a great one and um I
1: love it because it's her debut novel as
0: well, which oh is so impressive.
1: Yeah, and she's like an older woman, right? So a yeah. debut like m- at middle-aged or maybe yeah. a, bit bef- a bit after that. So I love that like as well, you know, you never know like what life can hold and like you don't have to achieve your dreams before 30.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you
1: can still become a best-selling author and have an Apple TV show when you're like later in your life, which is always reassuring to hear, I think, for our generation. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, the average age of an author is, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's late 30s or early 40s. That's like yeah. a median age. So, yeah, good to remember that. What is your second curveball book of the year? My second curveball is The Island of Missing Trees by Elif Shafak. And this was actually given to me at our book club Christmas party last year, where we did a blind book swap. This was from our friend Kelly, um, who works at a library. And she um, was like, This was one of her favorite books from the year before. So I was excited to read this, but it's a curveball because it's not something I think I would have read. By looking at the synopsis but yeah it's definitely one of my favorite books I've read this year it's actually a book I've gifted to maybe mm, like two other people um, for various reasons like for a birthday or for something else um, because I think that a lot of people will like this it was a really touching read I'm kind of procrastinating <laughs> trying to explain the plot because it's kind of complicated and I'm just going to try and keep it very base level. Okay. I'm going to try. So essentially this book, which was published in 2021, it's also a fiction um, novel. It moves between post-colonial Cyprus and London. And the themes that it really touches on are like intergenerational trauma and belonging and identity and space, all that good stuff. Um, It's also got three, like, different narrative. So it kind of goes back and forth in time and place with different narrators. Um, I'm going to try just tell you about the main ones. So at the center of this story is a love story. And back in the day, uh, it was about these two teenagers, a Greek Cypriot and a Turkish Cypriot. Right. And, um, there's a lot of cultural tensions between the Greek and the Turkish. Um, so there's a love story there. In the future, it also actually follows the story of like their daughter living in London and how she grappled with her life and her various problems of like being a teenager in modern times i guess um there's a lot more i'm i really actually just can't do this justice <laughs> so i i shall shut off. but um you know one thing that's so compelling is that will you believe that one of the narrators is literally a fig tree um oh wow <laughs> i know and i mean we, we're that's coming so off creative. the back yeah we're coming off the back of lessons in chemistry which had a dog be a narrator for True. some time um, but this was just so incredible and this author this is their 12th book so they have a well-oiled machine and you can just tell you can just tell I think this was the prose was just spectacular the narrative was really like just beautiful is really like a heart aching story and even though this is something that's yes fiction but also based on the other side of the world in like a political climate that I'm so unaware of it was really like you could still find so much to relate to it I guess and there's a lot of
1: humanity in this book so I really recommend it don't know if I sold it but there you go (laughs) Um, you are actually the second person who's recommended this book to me. (gasps) Who was the first? My friend Talia came over for dinner like the last week I was in Melbourne and had the book with her and was really recommending it as well.
0: Oh, okay.
1: There you go. Two trusted people.
0: All right, it's time for your second curveball. Please enlighten me.
1: My I'm putting this in curveball just because it came through at the very like, last quarter of the year and it feels like it's still going to be in so many, like, top books of 2023 lists. And ironically, it's called The List by Yomi ah. Uh Have you read this? No, but I've been wanting to, so tell me. We can borrow it. Um, it's a really interesting concept that discusses, like, internet culture, cancel culture, and things like this. So the rough synopsis is the protagonist's name is Ola Olajide, a celebrated journalist at Women Magazine. She's set to marry the love of her life in one year's time. Her fiance, Michael, considered like couple goals of the media and like social media industry. Uh, it's set in London, modern time. Oh, I actually think it's set like 2018, 2019. And then one morning, it's early on as well. So I think that's a really great way to suck in like people into Mm. the story early on in the in the novel um a list of um basically abusers male abusers in the media entertainment industries are is like leaked like a spreadsheet and her fiance's name is on it and she then throughout the whole novel grapples with do i trust him do i not trust him and like she's a big you know like a women's right journalist basically so then she has to like yeah deal with it in her professional life and her personal life. And it does flip-flop between both people's perspectives, which is interesting. Wow. You don't really know to believe um, Michael or not. So you're kind of then thinking like, oh, what would I do in that situation? And just mm. really got me thinking. I did feel like it dragged on in parts. Um, I do know that Shameless Book Club weren't fans of this one. I found their conversation really interesting. Um, But I still couldn't stop picking it up. So to me, that is a sign of a good book to me because, like, I don't have a very good attention span. If I'm not enjoying a book, I'm not going to finish it. Like, I'm really one of those people who I'm like, if you haven't grabbed me in the first half, sorry, I'm not – I don't care about these characters. I don't care about the story anymore. There's so many more books in the world I need to read. Mm -hmm. But this one I – yeah i read it quite quickly and kept picking it up and i enjoyed it when i read it so i guess it's that's why it's a curveball to me in that yeah i think it's such a big book of the year and it's also been picked up for a tv show i believe in the uk so really really interesting
0: no that sounds really good thank you for sharing that and honestly you reading like half a book and like you know deciding whether or not it grabs you or not is like that's generous by the way yeah
1: (laughs) that that's impressive I would say okay time for our best reads of the year Maggie you go first okay
0: so the one that I want to first bring to the table it's actually it's kind of a curveball that it's in the best reads because I don't I would say it's recency bias because I just finished this book I wrote these notes like literally yesterday and not me just being like oh um, should I put this here? Yeah, but no, it really, I really enjoyed this book. I'm just going to say it now. I <laughs> <laughs> hate picking favourites for things so yeah. you can see like my, you know, <laughs> my stress is coming from that. Um, I want to put forward Go Lightly by Bridie Lee Kennedy. This is by an Australian author. It's actually out in at the end of February, uh, the coming February, and it is a contemporary fiction novel. Definitely errs on the side of romance. But yes, it is very much in line with like Dolly Alderton and Diana Reed, like that kind of book. And I don't know why, but this story just grabbed me so much. It follows a 26 year old living in London. Uh, she's Australian. Her name's Ada. And she is like a creative. Like she is a cabaret performer. She does some comedy. She like tempts part-time. Um, and he essentially just looks at her falling for two different people, um, at the same time. So she's by. So we've got Sadie, who is a fellow Australian, who's also creative, um, who's in her life in London. And then there's a, a guy called Stuart, who was an audience member at one of her gigs. Um, and he, Lives there as well. <laughs> he lives in Manchester or something. Um, as you can see, the narrative is very, very simple. Like you know, it's essentially like a love triangle type story. But there was something about this which I just really loved. I love Bridie's writing and her observations. Um, I think she really like nails uh, like Australian humour, but also like queer culture. I just think there were like a lot of little nuances that made it really strong. Um, I don't know why. I think I just needed to read this book at this time and it just was so great. (laughs) Yeah. And to be honest, it's not necessarily, it wouldn't be the best, like like,
1: the best objective book that I read in the year, but it was one that I really personally Mm. enjoyed. Yeah. I'm intrigued. See, this type of book is something that sounds like me, like modern, I guess a contemporary Australian fiction
0: yeah and to be honest I would have read at least six debuts that were so
1: similar to this
0: by Australian authors this year I enjoyed a lot of them but this just really like sung out to me so you can borrow it yeah
1: I definitely will be borrowing
0: that one tell me what is one of your best books of the year
1: Uh, it was so hard to answer this question but I guess I just tried to be quite like Uh, not cerebral with it, whatever the opposite of cerebral is, which is iconic, uh, ironic that I can't remember it. Ironic and iconic. One that I first thought of was The Sun Walks Down by Fiona McFarlane. I did recommend this on the podcast, so kind of cheating, double up, but I, yeah, it was definitely one of my fave reads. So um, it's set in September 1883 in the South Australian town of Fairley. A six-year-old, Denny Wallace, not related to me, (laughs) spelled differently, (laughs) has actually gone missing during a a dust storm. And then the whole town is trying to find him. They're searching the desert and the mountains. Um, It changes perspectives quite often. So you've got newlyweds, landowners, farmers, um, artists, indigenous trackers, school teachers, and they all are exploring their own relationship to the land and the history of the Flinders Ranges. It is a colonial, like colonial set book, but I just, again, my reviews of books is like, did it stick in my mind? Did I feel like I was there? Could I picture the setting really well? Did I you know enjoy the characters and I really did like the way that Fiona McFarlane describes the land I think as a character in itself is really fascinating I don't know I just love a good Australian like fiction and historical fiction Mm. I think I find really interesting because it kind of feels like even though it's fictional you're also learning something about the time that those people lived Mm. in um which I really enjoy
0: yeah I remember when you first recommended this because Mm. it almost felt a little bit out of pocket like it's not something I necessarily think you'd pick up like it's essentially like a murder mystery or like a mystery novel like a historical a historical one at that um but it sounds really good. So I'm really glad that that stuck with you all year as well.
1: Yeah. And I was lucky enough to be sent it by like the publishing company. So a couple of books, like I do love it when that happens. One, because it's like a dream come true. But two, because it's like I, I read things that I might not buy myself. Like I might not spend $35 on that in the bookstore. i be like, oh, maybe one day or whatever. But yeah. So when I arrived at my doorstep, I was like, ooh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Lucky last. What mm. is your top? book of 2023
0: oh okay no don't say top book like oh like one of two of them
1: (laughs) (laughs) tell me you're a Pisces not telling me you're a Pisces I know
0: I'm sweating over here um it is The Power by Naomi Alderman which I also have recommended on the pod before earlier this year gosh damn like I love this book honestly gosh damn um and I agree with what you're saying like um this is a book, one of the books that like really stuck with me most of the year. So when I'm looking back at like the whole year of reading, I was like, yeah, this meant something. Um, I really enjoyed it. So this is a 2016 science fiction novel. Um, And the premise is that all over the world, suddenly one day teenage girls and women are discovering that they have a power to like emit electricity from their fingertips um and essentially with that power they can inflict inflict um like terrible pain and even death so in in essence it's like okay what happens when like the gender dynamics in our society are completely transformed and flipped on its head literally overnight um very much a dystopian science fiction novel um this one also has multiple narrators I just found it so like like not titillating but like really just like I was on the edge of my seat um I just I was just like enthralled by this book like it was one of those books that I didn't want to put down um and I found it really enjoyable I'd say it's like the modern not that I've seen or read but let me just make this call like the <laughs> modern handmaid's tale kind of thing like very mm-hmm. much on the like in those themes
1: yeah no. I really liked it yeah that's also another one that I really want to read you can borrow it off me <laughs> thank you <laughs>
0: um but yeah that's that would be my pick I have to ask now what is your final
1: best book pick Another tricky one, but I have to say, my top, well, one of my best books of the year uh, is actually from 2019, but we read it this year. And that is Bunny by Mona Awad. Oh, yes. Another book club pick. Seriously, I'm so glad I joined a book club this year because it does motivate me yeah. to read books of someone who's not, like, if when I get out of the habit of reading, I cannot pick up a book for like two months. Mm. Um, So to have something like every month has been really good for me. But, um, yeah, funny. Okay, let me just read a little bit of the synopsis. So the protagonist is Samantha Heather Mackey and she's at a selective um, like writer's program at New England's Warren University in America. She is a scholarship student. She's a little bit of an outcast and then she gets an invitation from these basically like a clique of rich girls who call each other bunny um to like join the group and then things start to get really weird it becomes this like fantasy almost like fairy tale novel mm. You don't really know what's reality and what's not and I just I really really loved the writing I was so like I think I had my drawer open for half the time. The first plot twist, like, where something crazy happens, you're like, I had to reread the page, like, three times, being like, did this actually just happen? If you're into, like, cults, cliques, Mm. teenage movies, like, like, Heathers, Clueless, things like that, then I think you'll really enjoy this as well. There's lots of references to those, like, teen movies and dramas. I really enjoyed... The character I didn't mind the protagonist as well so I kind of was happy to follow her along on that journey yeah and I just I remember where I was when I finished it this was such a creepy novel and I was actually camping at the time oh. reading it, basically in the dark no. <laughs> and I couldn't put it down I was camping with my my granddad my uncle and my boyfriend and I was just like they were all sitting around the fire drinking beer and I was just like sitting just like consuming <laughs> this creepy novel but it is also – I like the fact that it's quite controversial online. If you look at the reviews, like, people are either like, what the fuck was that? Like, I didn't even finish it. And other people are like, this is one of the best books I've ever read. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a – you'll either love it or you'll hate it, I think. I don't know if there's many. Like, it's not a middle-of-the-road book. So mm-hmm. 100% recommend that. I also picked up um, Mona Awad's new book, Rogue, the other week. Haven't finished it because Britney Spears' memoir came out the same week. So I kind of swapped it for that and haven't got back to it. But I'm definitely going to take that on my holiday with me because that one looks at like cults, but in the beauty industry, which I think is a topic that is so like it's everywhere at the moment. Mm -hmm. I think the beauty industry is a new like weight loss industry Mm -hmm. or the skincare industry. Sorry, is a new weight loss industry. So yeah, really interested to read more of her work oh that sounds so so
0: good what a talented writer um Mm. I definitely want to read more weird books as well because I think like both of us really enjoyed that definitely not something I've dived into before either that brings us to the end of the episode and the end of the year so crazy yeah thank you so much again for anyone who has listened followed or interacted with us in any way shape or form we so 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 appreciate it Um, we will be on break for a
1: bit but we'll be back in your ears at the end of Jan have a wonderful Christmas New Year stay safe enjoy your summer or your winter in the Northern Hemisphere we will chat with you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.